0: Yeah, this is really going to be like how obviously the the title is identifying false prophets, and uh, I just really think it's it's important, especially in this hour, it, prophetically speaking of where we're at. You know, if you go to John chapter, or sorry, not John Matthew chapter twenty four, right before Jesus begins, and he, he t- or right when Jesus is right in the smack in the middle of talking about the end times and knowing. Uh, what will be s- kind of some of the signs of the times? In Matthew twenty four eleven, he says clearly to the disciples, he says, "And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people." Uh, and then in First John chapter four verse one, you'll find it says, "Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see." if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Listen, there are many people speaking right now, claiming to speak by the spirit. Uh, But the Bible is very clear to test all spirits, that many false prophets will arise. And, you know, I feel like that false prophet is a term that you know it's been tossed around the church for years i mean it's all over the bible it's in scripture rightly so we should be discerning in what exactly are uh false prophets and then there's another term false teachers and i think really the heart behind this is going to be to rightly divide the word of truth and understand what jesus says um is a false prophet because i think sometimes uh, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in saying um, just because maybe somebody's doctrine doesn't quite align with our doctrine, we'll deem them a false prophet. Or maybe because they preach or um, are called to uh, demonstrate some of the more mystical, um, supernatural sides of God, that all of a sudden they get caught up in being deemed a false prophet. Um, or maybe they just. Believe the word and understand the word and have a revelation of the word that may be different than what you've been taught. And uh, if if we're honest, all of our theology, our belief about God uh, is affected by our personal walk with God. Who we choose to listen to as teachers and ministers in our life, and then also our upbringing as children. And maybe, you know, if we grew up in the church, what denomination, like all that plays into a factor of what we understand our theology, what we believe to be right about God. And, um, but you know, that kind of lane really doesn't fall under the lane of false prophet, that's really under the lane of false teachers and false doctrine. And so people that are teaching doctrines that are false, that would be a false teacher. And again, um, you've really got to even watch with that because is if the doctrine is maybe something different than the way that you believe, does that make them a false teacher? I don't know. Now, if the doctrine is producing sin, the doctrine is producing character of, uh, uh, opposite of the character of Christ and in sin nature, um, You know, then I would say, yeah, false teacher. They're teaching things that are leading people away from Christ and into sin. False teachings, um, the hyper grace teaching, for instance. However, a false prophet, Jesus um, distinctly gives us an an example in Matthew chapter seven, which is where I'm going to go and read from here in a moment, and he and he shows us how to identify false prophets. False prophets tend to actually speak the word of god accurately they tend to preach the word of god as it is uh however their character and integrity and the way they live their life they are hypocrites they they proclaim the word but they don't live it and so there's a difference again between a false teacher and a false prophet and so really i feel like this um this teaching is really to identify false prophets and so uh, I'm going to see just what the Bible says and I'm going to give you some kind of practical things of some things you can watch out for and again we want to be real careful in labeling someone a false prophet um, so this is by no means to give permission to uh, make accusation or anything like that but really as uh, ministers and leaders um, out there and, and then even people moms and dads to you know protect your home to protect the faith, you know, to fight the fight of faith uh, often isn't just against the enemy, but against false prophets and against like letting stuff that can come in and really cause a lot of damage. Uh, and we're going to kind of go over some of the signs and some of the ways that you can identify them according to scripture, not not by opinion or, or uh, you know, man. And again, um, this is not necessarily in the realm of the supernatural that we're talking about. You know, it's really dangerous to call somebody uh, a false prophet that is performing signs and wonders, even if those signs and wonders look like the signs and wonders maybe from the enemy's camp. And you say, well, where's that in the Bible? Well, you know, you're in Egypt and you have Moses takes a, a, a staff and throws it on the ground. and It turns into a serpent and it's a sign from God. But then the the Egyptian sorcerers turn around and do the same exact thing. And so they're copying it like verbatim, the sign of God and the, the, the sign of the enemy, the of darkness, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. And they look almost identical. So, you know, prophecy, um, you've got psychics, you've got witchcraft, you've got demonstration of power, you've got the movement of the Holy Spirit and the kundalini spirit. So we're not really talking about that. That's actually not – Jesus did not say – you will know they're a false prophet because they perform signs and wonders that freak you out. That's not what Jesus said. And so let's go look at what Jesus says in the word and rightly divide the word of truth and understand what Jesus says um, on how to identify false prophets. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. I love Matthew chapter 7. I have been in Matthew chapter 7 in and out, and there's just so much. I mean, I love the whole Bible. But there's just so much in uh, Matthew chapter 7 when you read it in the full context. Like it's all one teaching, all one sermon. And so a lot of times we'll pluck pictures out of Matthew chapter 7 to make a point or reinforce whatever teaching. But I encourage you to read um, Jesus' parables and teaching in the context of the whole moment he's teaching from. And it'll really open it up. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 17, running down uh, to, I'm going to stop. It actually goes all the way down to verse 27 in what he's saying, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop at, uh, verse 23, I believe it is. Yeah. So Matthew chapter seven, verses 17 through 23. And this is what it says. Even so, and I'm reading out of the amplified, I'm going to be in and out of different translations. I love them all. Um, you know, wherever you land on that, but so even, so even so every healthy sound tree, bears good fruit. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm going to jump back. Sorry. Verse, verse 15. Got ahead of myself. Beware of false prophets. So here he's setting the context for everything he's about to say. Beware of false prophets who come to you dressed as sheep, but inside they are devouring wolves. So one of the first key nuggets that Jesus gives us to identify false prophets is that you're not going to spot them very easily. Uh, you're not, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to be easily be able to identify this ravenous wolf. No, it's look, they look like sheep. So, when we're talking about false prophets, we're not necessarily talking about someone who is, uh, from the kingdom of dark or representing the kingdom of darkness like out in the open. Like, we're not talking about what's that, um, ladies named Sylvia Brown or something like that. She tries to mingle scripture and like, and like psych psychic, like that's an obvious one. I don't need you to tell me that Sylvia Brown or convince me, or I don't need to identify that Sylvia Brown's a false prophet. Like I could just look and be like, yep, eh, way off, totally counter from scripture. I'm not, I don't, it doesn't take, um, really a spirit of discernment or some of the things that Jesus tells us to look for, to identify that false prophet false prophets look like sheep. They, um, they look like Christians. They smell like Christians, if you will, in a sense, like they, they, in in, in other words, they have the lingo down. They know how to talk like Christians, um, out of their mouth. Uh, it, it sounds like they are Christian, but inside it's, so it's talking about the inner man. It's talking about the, the, internal person the character and integrity the Christ on the inside of them the nature and character and integrity that they walk with it says but inside they are devouring wolves then it says you will fully recognize them by their fruits uh and I want to make a distinction here because often when we're talking about fruits we will talk about fruits as like the fruits of a ministry like um Like I've led X amount of number of people to souls, uh, sorry, souls to Jesus. I've um, discipled an X amount of number of people. I've seen X amount of number of healings. This is not fruit about of what Jesus is talking about. So when he says you'll know them by their fruit, it is not talking about the size of their ministry, the influence they have, nor the impact that they have. And I'm going to I'm going to show you that later. What it's talking about is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is talking about their character and in their and their integrity. It says this, "Do people pick grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, every healthy, sound tree bears good fruit." Worthy of adora- admiration, but the sickly—this is so important—decaying, worthless tree bears bad, worthless fruit. A good, healthy tree cannot bear bad, worthless fruit, nor can a bad, diseased, diseased tree bear excellent f- fruit worthy of admiration. I want to point out here that false prophets began as a tree. The Bible calls us oaks of righteousness. So they became a Christian. They were started out as a Christian, but because of sin and unrepented sin and unrepented, uh, like, sin. you know, the Bible says there's sin and then there's sin leading to death so they are unrepentant of their sins they are convinced that they don't need to repent from their sins they're convinced that they're just fine i'm covered by the blood brother i can live any way i want to and it's proven in the fact that they've actually become a sick tree so you have a good tree and you have a bad tree again they come as uh sheep like wolves in sheep clothing so they come looking like a christian they they look like a tree at one point they were a tree planted in the house of god but they have become sick and now they're producing bad fruit so i want to make that distinction i like to point out too how it says you can't get uh, good fruit from a sick tree and you can't get bad fruit from a healthy tree They not only produce um, sin, fruits, lusts of the flesh. uh, If you need to know what bad fruit is, you just go to Galatians and look at the fruit of the spirit. And it's whatever is opposite of the fruit of the spirit is bad fruit. And so if they're constantly producing that now, again, uh everybody is growing everybody is maturing but that's the that's one of the things that you can identify the difference again um for for someone who's a false prophet like we're not saying well if somebody still has some things that they're overcoming in their life automatically they're a false prophet that's not what we're saying here Uh, All of us are progressively growing in Christ. But if you see there is no longer any progression and they're basically like, I've arrived, I've already made it, but there's still like major sin. And I'm going to show you, it will be completely evident. Like the more and more you spend time with them, it'll be completely evident. And uh, and, in some of the things that they try to do and the tactics and stuff like that. And it's very clear in scripture. I'm going to show you that. So again, I I, want to be hesitant here. We're not saying that, um, you know, that we have to be perfect, like, we have are are being made God is making perfect those who have been made holy. So we've been made holy, righteous before God, and we're being perfected. I'm talking about someone who has completely stopped allowing the conviction of the Holy Spirit, someone who's completely stopped maturing in Christ and is actually backslidden, but yet continues in the ministry and continues in wanting prompt and renown and things that we're gonna, I'm gonna, gonna show you here in scripture so when jesus is talking about false prophets he's actually very clearly talking about within the context of the body of christ but you'll know them as well by their fruits in their life and often what their ministry produces in others so when they minister and and release words to other people those words um and i've just seen it happen so they'll prophesy they still prophesy and and honestly it's accurate because the bible says the gifts of god are without repentance and i told you they were they're a tree they were a christian but they become sick with sin and now they're producing bad fruit And so it'll produce bad fruit in others. So like they'll prophesy and it may be accurate, but the fruit of that prophecy is, is not like repentance, encouragement, holiness, righteousness. It'll be confusion. It'll be anxiety. It actually will um, pull them away from the Lord. Uh, You know, just to give you an example of one that I've run into, uh, they will prophesy something like this just to give you a practical example that I've seen before. Uh, you're going to begin to hear God more accurately um, by a certain date. Uh, now, some may say that may be true. You 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 may hear God more accurately by a certain date, but then all of a sudden, if and, and if that like excites you and causes you to like press into God and causes you to instantly start to hear God more, okay, maybe good accurate prophecy. But if that prophecy like starts to cause you to doubt your ability to hear God and you feel like, oh, I'm not going to be able to hear God even until this date. And now all of a sudden you're full of anxiety and you feel like like less than accepted in the beloved, less than accepted by Jesus, less than accepted. It's not producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Bad fruit. Like it was a bad fruit. It's producing bad things and anxiety in your life. And you'll see it. the, the They actually, the enemy actually, begins to attach themselves to them and manifest through prophecy and through their ministry. The The enemy will will manifest bad fruit through their life and through their ministry, and, and time will tell. You will know them by their fruit, what they're producing in their self and what they're producing in others through their ministry. Uh, I'm going to go on here. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Therefore, you will fully know them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Uh, I want to stop right here. So often they will say they're doing the will of the father because they're plucking from scripture and throwing the word up in your face and like, oh, I'm going to just, I'm doing the will of the father. But what Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about um, doing ministry as Jesus did ministry. I only do what I see the father doing. They actually have a relationship with Jesus and they're hearing from the living voice and operating uh, from that place. And I'm going to show you, he explains that in the very next uh, couple of scriptures. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And driven out demons in your name. And done many mighty works in your name. And then I will say to them openly, publicly, I never knew you. That word knew you is genosko. It's as a man knows a woman. It, it speaks of intimately having a relationship with, with the Lord. It speaks of intimately knowing the Lord. It speaks of a, a active relationship with God. To know him intimately. He's like, I never knew you. We never had intimacy. You you who act wickedly disregarding my commands. So you who act wickedly disregarding my commands. Another translation says, you, you workers of lawlessness. Christ is the lawful one. Christ fulfilled the law in him. Perfection. And let me tell you, uh, as you grow in the Lord, you become more like Jesus. I mean, many of you who are listening right now, you can look back a year ago, and, and as you've practiced intimacy and grown in the grace of God, the divine ability, the power of God to live free from sin, your life should look more now like Christ's life than it did a year ago. And so again, these are you'll know them by their fruits. This, this this is a scary thing here, um, but it's great that God, God showed us and gave us the blueprint. Like, they're still prophesying. They're still casting out demons. Did we not? Have we not prophesied in your name, driven out demons in your name, and done many mighty works in your name? They may be preaching the gospel. Listen, the Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. And his word does not return void. So if a preacher is standing or a false prophet or whoever is standing from a pulpit and declaring the word of God, and then you're seeing God do his word, that has nothing to do with the person who's preaching. It has nothing to do with it. So just because you go into a meeting and somebody's getting healed, demons are getting cast out and they're prophesying means absolutely nothing. Like, but how is the person living their life? And what is the ministry producing in others? Like, what are the prophecies producing? What is the fruit over time? Like, like somebody blows into the church and like releases all these prophetic words. Okay, like, what about a year from now? Like, what fruit did that prophetic ministry produce in the body? Is the body uplifted, edified, built up, more like Christ? Or is that body been hurt and wounded by the presence of that quote-unquote prophet? Uh, you'll know them by their fruit. Let's, let's move on. So again, all the things that I'm about to uh, about to list, they are are merely things that fall under uh, the, I would say they would fall under just not obeying Christ. So again, Jesus said, you workers of lawlessness, those who don't follow my command. So all of these would really fall under that. But I just want to give you a couple of examples of the fruit and how you can identify them. So first and foremost, the number one thing to look for is uh, is pride. Pride. Um, and, and I want to pause I, i'm just feeling the leading of the spirit here i want to make a point to you um i want to make a point to you this that um that you know many would say again he says they'll come to me that day and they'll say lord lord have i not have we not prophesied in your and cast out demons in your name done many mighty exploits i want to make a point lucifer was created good lucifer was created to worship uh the lord he was created as a minister uh, unto the Lord a ministering spirit an angel unto the Lord Lucifer fell when Lucifer fell he did not leave his su- he did not lose his supernatural ability nor his powers so just because somebody can operate in the demonstration of power in and operate in gifts and things like that does not mean they are right with the Lord it does not mean they are right with the Lord at all if that were the case uh, Lucifer would not still be running around as the prince of the power of the air. Lucifer would still not be running around, uh, able to attack and 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 work witchcraft and in the, the demonic and evil things that he does in there. He would have no power. Uh it says that that our enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour i know we love to say well he's like a lion but he's not a lion yeah but it says whom he may devour which means he still has the ability to devour if you do not resist him staying steadfast in the faith so he kept his supernatural ability as an angel he didn't lose it the moment he disobeyed so a prophet a minister a uh Someone called of God, a fivefold minister, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher does not lose the grace or the divine ability given to them by God when they were called in that assignment, when they abandon and backslide and leave the faith. They keep that thing And, and they keep it. The gifts of God are without repentance like they keep it. So, that's not how we define false prophets based upon whether they're performing signs and wonders or not performing signs and wonders. We identify false prophets by their character and integrity. And again, I just read that in Matthew 7. But let's move on. One of the great, uh, and really everything, you can probably trace it back to pride. Everything I'm going to talk about, you can probably trace it back to pride. But I'm going to start with pride. So, here are six fruits of pride. Uh, in in the context of false prophets, six fruits of pride. Number one, they speak about themselves constantly. Uh, It will manifest. This is one thing they will speak about themselves constantly. Now I want to make kind of some, uh, a point here and kind of bring clarity that when I say speak about oneself constantly, I don't mean speaking about, uh, get our testimonies about what God has done. There's a big difference between me telling you, yeah, man, I've laid hands on the sick and I've seen them healed. And I begin to, testify of what God has done maybe in and through my life and maybe in and through the ministry and that all brings God glory you know the Bible says tell of the wondrous works he's done I won't forget what God has done I will testify of what God has done and so we're not talking about that we're not talking about bringing glory to God and pointing it back to Jesus and saying oh man look at what Jesus has done Jesus is so amazing Jesus is so mighty like God healed the sick he cleansed the lepers he ca- he, he delivered this person um, what I'm talking about it when they start to talk about themselves is they'll start to take responsibility for what happened and they'll say I healed or um which again I, we can debate theology there I'm just trying to give you an example and I don't mean it when their heart is pure I'm talking about somebody that has an unpure heart in it and it's evident um they will begin to talk about how extraordinary they are they they think they're the best thing since sliced bread like like I am I am revivalist I am the guy like not you know, like I am it, I'm the answer to the world right now. I'm the answer. Like I, it. I have the truth. I don't just preach truth. I have the truth. And, uh, and you know, they, they begin to talk about themselves. Like, you know, they're, you know, we, we, I mean, y'all, I was, I was on the streets and, and, you know, on drugs and like crazy. So sometimes some of the language I use, it comes from that background, but you know, their poop, they act like their poop don't stink. You know, they just, that's how they act. Like, You know, like they're just the best thing since sliced bread. You know, when they, you'll notice when they come on the scene, it's like, I've arrived, you know, woo, I'm here. They'll love the big entrance, the, um, grandiose, very grandiose. And again, they'll talk about themselves constantly, like not just a little bit, like I'm talking about constantly speak about themselves and even what God is doing. Um, they, they really, um, desire to have the credit. Like, well, yeah, but you need to give credit where credit is due. Like, I'm owed the credit of what God did when it, it really had nothing to do with them. We're just we're just the vessel and God chooses to, you know, move through us. So you're going to identify it by um, them speaking about themselves uh, constantly. And, uh, and here's some scripture for you. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips and again I want to make the distinction we're not talking about somebody who's bringing glory to God and and testifying of what Jesus has done in and through them but they're acting like they've done it or um, they just talk about how excellent how awesome and how wonderful they are constantly Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says because of the privilege and authority God has given me I give each of you this warning Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So again, they'll have a very grandiose um, belief about themselves. They're they're not sober-minded, you you know, um, in in really where they're at. Um, They don't walk in humility. Christ said this. He said, learn of my ways, take of my yoke. I am meek and lowly of heart. you you know, Jesus, uh, and Paul says about Jesus, he's like, this is God himself. Like God came and put on flesh and God walked on the earth in flesh. But you know what? He didn't like walk around, uh, like citing himself as equal to God. He humbled himself and walked as a man. And and he speaks of the humility of Jesus. And that's the fruit of Christ's character in, in a man or woman of God's life. Not that they constantly speak about themselves. Uh, number two, and this ties right into to that, they love or demand a place of honor. They love to be first. They love or demand a place of honor, and they love to be first. They love to be recognized. And so I'm going to go to Third John, verse 9 through 11. I encourage you to read Third John. I mean, it takes five seconds. You can read the whole book read third John. But listen, this is what he said. Um, and again, this is the Amplified version. He says, I have written brief- briefly to the church, but Diotrephus, I-, I think I'm saying that right, Diotrephus, who likes to take the lead among them and put himself first. So they love to put themselves first. They love to be recognized as authority. They love the titles. And again, I, I think sometimes you know, titles are appropriate. I'm not I minding mean, Paul writes and says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ bond servant. Um, but they love to be like, and it's almost like if you don't, if you don't call them by their title, they take offense and they take it as dishonor. If you don't acknowledge them by their title, they love, they love titles in, in are They, they think that Often it'll manifest too as they think that the title of apostle is better than the title of prophet or the title of prophet is better than title of evangelist. And Tyler evangelist is because he says first apostles, then prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says he who wishes to desire to be the greatest must be the least. And so the apostle, if he's first in the church, is the least amongst all the grace gifts, serving them all to wash feet like that is, it's not something of pomp and it's not like like you're you're some king in the Church of Jesus Christ. like that's not to be worshiped, to be honored to be reverenced. I believe in honor. Give honor where honor is due and double honor to those who are stewarding the household of faith, but you by no means demand it. you demand you don't care. you you don't care. Humility doesn't care whether I get credit or not. Humility could care less. Like, no, 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 no. Like, like let's lift up Jesus. They're always pointing back to Jesus, not pointing to themselves. Like, because I've arrived, something miraculous is going to happen. No, like if Jesus comes, if Jesus comes, something will happen. And so you can identify them in this way. They love, uh, to take the lead, among them and put him, put himself first. That's one of the signs for Diotrephus. Um, Yeah, I'm going to, I will be back to third John here in a minute. I'm going to be all through there because he really, he he really gives some revelation uh, from third John uh, on it. So anyway, number three, that one of the fruits of pride of the six fruits of pride, number three, only believes the word when it's convenient. They will only believe the word when it's convenient. And what do I mean by that? Uh, They are not, the Bible talks about in James, that says that we are not only to be uh, hearers of the word, but doers also, but these have gone even farther than that. And they become preachers of the word and not doers of the word. So they are not only hearers, they are uh, false prophets have gone even further. They will preach the word, but not obey it themselves. They are hypocrites. So they only like the word when it benefits them. So um, this this is where a lot of um, the twisting of generosity and giving will come in. Like they love to tell you about, and I believe in in you know wherever you're at. Maybe you don't, and that's fine. I, I believe in in the tithing, and tithing and beyond, in generosity, I believe in giving, I believe give and it shall be given to you. Like I truly believe that, but like they love those verses, but they don't want to talk about humility. They don't want to talk about preferring others. They don't want to talk about honor, submission to authority, like only when it's convenient and benefits them, do they love the word. Uh, I have here that the Bible is clear in James chapter three, verse one. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So they desire the authority and renown of being a leader, without adhering to the stricter standards laid out in scripture. You know, Paul is very clear when you read in 1st and 2nd Timothy, the Holy Spirit, pinning it through Paul, speaks very clearly in 1st, 2nd Timothy, and then again in Titus, the requirements of being an elder, an overseer, a deacon, a teacher, a minister, someone who has renown and is worthy of double honor within the church. There is a set of standards. It's the plumb line of the living God. And so they'll love to take the part about, uh, receiving double honor, but do not want to live up to the standard of a leader. So again, they, they adhere to the word of God when it's convenient for them, but when it's inconvenient, they won't adhere to it. Um, they'll actually accuse you of being religious. If you adhere to the word, they will say, um, well, you're being religious brother. Like, you know, you're trying to hold me accountable to the word of God or, to some standard and you're just being religious. Listen, uh I know the spirit of religion is bad, but the spirit of religion is tries to depower God. That's what the spirit of religion does. It tries to tell you that, you know, you can't live free from sin. It tries to tell you that God is a weak God and doesn't move and still doesn't have power, like that he's no longer the God that causes axe heads to float. He's no longer the God that parts Red Sea. That's the spirit of religion. But religion in its of itself is not evil. We know this because James says this, pure religion is this, to, vi- to visit widows and orphans. So it's not about you, it's about others. And then the next one he says, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So true religion is this, love others and and live holy. That's true religion. So religion in and of itself is not evil. The religious spirit is evil. Uh, So anyway, that's number three, only believes the word when convenient. Number four, refuses to listen with an understanding heart. Refuses to listen uh, with an understanding heart. And I will also like to add, um, only submits to authority when it's convenient only submits to authority when it's convenient. They will almost put on like a a mask of um, honor and reverence toward the leader when it benefits them. But whenever it no longer benefits them, they refuse to submit and listen to the authority and sphere. And I want to make another point again that like if you're called an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you're called a minister. You have a sphere of influence. So if God calls you an apostle, if God calls you a prophet, you need to really live sober-minded and ask God, what is my sphere of influence? Because you're not like a prophet to the entire body of Christ. Let me tell you, it doesn't work that way. God may God may promote you and accelerate you. As you humble yourself, God will exalt you and give you an influence to speak to um a specific group of people but you know paul was very clear he was called an apostle to the gentiles peter to the jews like there there's a distinction and we need to live sober minded and so if somebody grabs you and says you know you're an apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher you really need to ask who am i sent to You know, even the apostles of the 12, whenever God called them and then persecution hit, they went to different regions. They were sent to specific regions like, um, you know, Paul was overseeing, again, all the Gentile church. But you don't see him um, very often writing or trying to bring correction or this or that to the the Jewish church like he would go to them and try to evangelize them Jew first then the Gentile but he understood his assignment he under and again I know that this is debatable and I'm just trying to let you know where where I land and really the heart behind it is say just live sober mindedly like like don't think don't 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 get too big for your own britches like don't think that you are uh more anointed or or, or more called than than another guy and and like begin to speak into things that you're not even really grace to in realms and spheres you're really not even graced to, to speak into. Again it goes back to loving to be first and demands a place of honor. But they will refuse to listen uh with an understanding heart. And I'm gonna reference you to Matthew eighteen and um and specifically when it talks about uh, sin and identifying sin in a brother or, or or a sister, it says if if they sin, go to them and if they listen to you You've won a brother, but then it says, if they don't listen to you, then go get another believer and then, it, and then come back and say, Hey, like, listen, I think this is an issue in your life. It doesn't even say really that they're going to agree with you that there's, um, a sin. It says they have to listen, like be willing, be open to have a, a humble and a meek heart to have a, a listening ear. You You know, the Bible says that a fool hates correction but the wise, they love correction. And so uh, a person who walks in meekness and humility, uh, even if they don't think they're wrong, will still take the time to, to hear you out. They will still take the time to listen to the accusation. And so they will, re- the, a false prophet, one of the signs again of pride is that they refuse to like, man, get out of here. Don't even come at me with that. Who do you think you are that you could even come and talk to me like that? There's just this air about them like, ugh, I'm just like, who do you think you are you, that you would come and talk to me about this? Um, but someone who has, has humility will will listen. Um, they may not agree to you, but they'll listen. And it says if they hear you, you've won your brother or sister. So the issue there is is whether you're listening or not listening. That says take, take two. And then if they still refuse to listen, take it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to church, it's scripture is very clear. It says, treat them as an unbeliever. Uh, And a tax collector. Wow. What would it look like if we started living that out? Uh, Anyway, on to number five. They'll have an air about them of, I have already arrived. And again, I, I go back to Romans 12, chapter two, or verse two, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you, they will live, uh, sober minded. They will live sober minded of themselves. They won't have this, uh, big opinion of themselves. Like they'll carry this air of, well, I've already arrived. You know, um, I've reached some plateau and, and plethora plateau in Christ, some, some mountaintop in Christ where, you know, I'm not really, still growing. I, I, I've I already been perfected. I've already been sanctified. I've already been purified. Like I still have no need to, to grow. Like I've arrived, you know, in it like, like, which totally, 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 um, contradicts, like, in my opinion, the greatest apostle of all apostle Paul, who, why was he a greatest? Cause he knew he was the least. He goes, I'm the least of the apostles. Jesus says the least is the greatest. Like Paul understood that He had an understanding of of Jesus and the ways of the spirit in the kingdom. Uh, And Paul's like, yeah, I I don't claim that I've arrived. But the one thing I do, I forget about the past and I press forward to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. What is that thing that's manifesting Christ in power and in character? And so even the apostle Paul is like, yeah, I've not I've not arrived. So a false prophet, again, will have an air of I've already arrived. Um, Number six and the final fruit I'm going to highlight in pride. Uh, Number six is they are constantly critical of others. They are constantly critical of others. Uh, So Matthew 7 um, verses 3 through 5. Matthew 7 verses 3 through 5. It says this. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look a plank in your own? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want to point out that in this uh, in this scripture, it does not say that we cannot uh, point out specks, and that we should not. Uh, that's one thing I think we really don't understand. As far as in my experience of the church, not everybody is that we actually are called to call each other higher, but that's the heart of it. So you're actually loving me if you see a blind spot I have and you come to me and say, hey, brother, you're better than this. Like, you know, this this thing, it doesn't line up with scripture and you keep doing this. So, um, you know, why do you think that is? And really coming with an understanding heart in Matthew 18 people, that's actually love. Um, however, what the scripture is saying, like if you got this major plank in your eye, you, you know, this major timber or beam, another translation says in your eye, you know, remove that first before you go and remove the speck uh, from your brother's eye. Like uh, don't don't sit there and, and try to correct and criticize others when there's so much going on in your life. You have this major issue in your life that you're not willing to. To deal with, they're hypocrites, you know, and so they love to call out the specks in others while letting the beam remain in their own. So they love to call out the specks in others while letting the beam uh, remain in their own. I am fully for removing the beam from your own eye and helping your brother remove the speck from theirs. I I think I think it's something that needs to happen in the body of Christ, like on the regular basis. Like we need we need to learn Christ-centered confrontation. We need to learn how to love each other. Um, in in not in an accus. A- accusative way or in a a condemning way, but a calling higher way to be able to go to each other and say, Hey, listen, this right here doesn't line up with the word of God and doesn't line up with." You're better than that. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than that. The power of the Holy spirit is more powerful than that. How can I help you walk holy and then actually be willing to pay a price to help others walk free and walk, walk free from their sin. Like, like let's lay our life down and, and pay a price to help people like live holy. And like, I believe in that. However, what I don't believe in is these false prophets that, and I think it's clear, you'll know them by this fruit, that they have major beams in their eyes, pride, all the things I just listed, um, some other things I'm going to list, but they love to point out the specs while, while having a beam in their own eye. They love to um, criticize others. They will criticize um, other ministers. They love to pick apart other ministers, how they operate in a service. And, and there'll almost be like this attitude of, um, uh, if I had the microphone, Oh, the glory of God would really come. Like if I had the microphone, this meeting, Oh, it would be spectacular. Like, like, yeah, they just need to give me the mic. That's, that's totally um, pride. It's a fruit of pride. And I'm going to show you again, we're going to go back to third John, uh, verses nine through 11. And remember he says of Diotrephus, he says, who likes to take lead among them. And put himself first, does not acknowledge my authority and refuses to accept my suggestions or listen to me. So, again, that goes back to does not have an understanding heart, does not recognize authority, won't recognize the actual authority of the house, won't submit to the authority of that region, that area. Then it says this so when I arrive, I will call attention to what he's doing. Again, John, this is John, the beloved. This is the guy who leaned his head against Jesus's breast saying, I'm going to call attention to what he does. So, again, he's operating in Matthew 18 in the right heart. Then he says this, um, his boiling over and casting malicious reflections upon us with insulting language and not satisfied with that. He refuses to receive and welcome the missionary brethren and also interferes with and forbid those who would welcome them and tries to expel or excommunicate them from the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. He who does good is of God. He who does evil has not seen and discerned or experienced God. Um, has enjoyed no vision of him and does not know him at all, has no intimacy of him. Again, it goes back to that Lord, Lord, depart from me, I never knew you, back in Matthew chapter seven. But here's John dealing with a false prophet in the day. Here's John dealing with the false prophet of his day. And this is what he's saying. He's like, yep, loves to be first among them. Uh, Matter of fact, he has no self-control, which I'm gonna get to in just a moment. Uh, And he's not satisfied with that. He actually refuses to receive and welcome the missionary brethren. So again, they love to criticize other ministers. They love to criticize other ministers who have been proven in character, in power, and longevity. They love to act like, Oh, like, yeah, well, again, if I had the microphone, this thing would be so different. Like I, I I'm, I'm more anointed than, than them. Like, you know, if this was my meeting, you'd really see, you know, the manifestation of God. There's really that air about them, uh, and, and that's a manifestation of pride. They're constantly critical of others. Um, I will add to another way this manifests is young ministers. I would say to you, young ministers that are serving your leaders, uh, young ministers that are, are in the will of God. You've heard the word of the Lord or saints, young saints, um, you, you are or old saints, whatever uh, you are serving in a house of faith. And somebody comes up to you and says, I don't know why they don't give you the microphone. I don't know why you aren't preaching, man. Watch out for that. Watch out for that. They are they are sowing. They're critical of others, and they are trying to um, they are trying to exhort a spiritual authority over you, and they're trying to become and place themselves as a mentor in a place of authority over you, and cause a wedge between you and and the authority. It, he says it right here. He discourages them, you. He doesn't listen to us. He doesn't recognize our authority. And he interferes and forbids those who would welcome those who have authority, those who are proven, those who are proven ministers, and tries to expel them from the church and keep them away. So again, that's one one way you can identify them. And those are just six uh, fruits of pride specifically that I identified. Again, it speaks of oneself constantly, loves, demands a place of honor to be first, only believes the word when convenient, refuses to listen with an understanding heart, has an air about them of I've already arrived, and is constantly critical of others. Um, Another uh, one I want to list of fruits of a false prophet is they lack self-control. They lack the fruit of self-control. And honestly, a lack of self-control is rooted in pride, and that's why this is the next one I'm talking about. About Because the one who lacks self-control, they'll often justify their ungodly behavior by declaring that because they feel a certain way, they are not required to respond in a godly manner using how they felt or the actions of, of others as an excuse for their behavior. So they will act in an ungodly manner, outbursts of wrath, uh, lack of self-control, they're unsettled. Um, I, I'll take you back to, to 3 John. He lists it right here. He says... They are his boiling over and casting of malicious reflections upon us with assaulting it insulting language so literally a boiling over is like a, a lack of self-control it's like oh, i just can't help how i feel and and it like blows up and they have an outburst of anger and it just comes these accusations come against leadership accusations come against other it's like an uh, i can't control themselves they just lose their mind for a second like it's 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 a lack of self-control it's a boiling over of emotion um and then they try to justify it they try to justify it because of what somebody else did or what somebody else said or how they feel. And again, listen, we're not all, all perfect. And I'm not you know, so if you've maybe had this happen and and, and I've had it happen in the, in the past, you know, we are under high pressure situations and things like that. Um, I'm not saying somebody that, that just has a lack of self control is automatically a false prophet. However, the posture of humility is this. In a moment of weakness, when we, the posture of humility, when we have a moment of weakness is this they take responsibility for their actions, leaving no excuse for oneself fully trusting in God's word and the power of his spirit to be free from the works of the flesh. For example, the Bible says that we can approach boldly the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in time of need. And that, that God there's no temptation such as common to man that God does not make a way of escape. So humility in, in in the realm of lack of self-control, if I lose self-control, humility would say this, I was wrong. There's no excuse for it because really God makes a way of escape. And I just chose not to take the way of escape. I chose not to trust God. I chose not to pull that. And I'm sorry. Forgive me. That would be humility. Pride would say, well, I'm justified. So-and-so did this. So-and-so did that. And so that's why I acted that way. Or, well, I felt this way. And because I felt that way, my emotions and the way I reacted, and it was totally the lust of the flesh. And I know the Bible calls it the lust of the flesh. And I know the Bible says it's sin. But, you know, I felt a certain way. No, no, no. That is a lack of self-control and also rooted in pride. So again, I'm not saying that we all are going to be perfect in this. I'm saying, I'm saying that I'm not saying we're all going to be perfect in it. But what I am saying is that there's, there is humility present, even in weakness, there's humility present, even in weakness. However, in weakness for a false prophet, pride will still be present. Even in their weakness, they will not be humble enough to admit that they made a mistake Um, And they will do everything in their power to justify their behavior instead of taking responsibility for it. Uh, The next thing I want to talk about is sexual immorality. Um, Sexual immorality uh, is one of the fruits of a false prophet. Sexual immorality. Uh, And and I'm going to say this uh, because it's not I don't hear it as often now. I don't hear it as often now as we did years ago. But man, I have been in churches and I have heard ministers tell young men that like masturbation is OK and watching porn is OK. And it's better if you watch porn and masturbate than than if you uh if you go and sleep around. Man, sin is sin. Sexual morality is sexual morality. And the, the blood and power of Jesus is enough to free you from all of that. It's enough to free you from all of that. The Bible is very clear. It's, um, it's better to marry than to burn. So if you're burning with desire and stuff like that, like, you you know, you need to, you can be free from that. You don't have to be bound up. The fruit of the spirit is self-control. And so often, um, false prophets will be involved in sexual morality, whether it be pornography and masturbation or whether it be sleeping around with, with the churches. I mean, we've had, uh, crazy. There's some crazy reports. Like I would say on the extreme side, I know there's an article years ago of a, of a well-known church. You can find it. And one of the small groups within the church is a mega church. One of the small groups within the church, they started to fast and pray Um, all the time but the guy that was leading the group was a false prophet and he led them all into sexual morality and they actually started all sleep together and he came up with this false doctrine of we're all one with christ and it got really perverted and you'll see that um false prophets will bring sexual morality in and it'll manifest in that way um homosexuality it'll manifest they'll justify it well brother this is just my thorn in the flesh this is just the sin that i'm going to have to deal with absolutely not absolutely not jude warns of them and we'll we'll get to that but um absolutely not the uh the power of jesus is is powerful enough to deliver you from every sin there is no excuse god's not okay with it um you know god doesn't understand God, doesn't, God knows your heart. You're right. When people say, well, God knows my heart. God knows your heart. You're right. God knows that your heart is wicked above all else, deceitful above all else, wicked, and that you need a new heart and you need to be washed clean. And so either Jesus gave you a new heart or he didn't. So when you say um, that it's okay that you sin because you have sin in your heart, you're declaring that the work of Christ didn't even come to pass. You don't even have... Uh, you, 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 you're saying basically you weren't born again, because when you were born again, you received a new nature and a new heart and you received the mind of Christ. Uh, so anyway, uh, and again, not saying that we're not all growing. I'm saying giving permission for the sin to stay. That's the, that's the, um, the clarity I'm making. So Revelations chapter two, verse 22, Revelations chapter two, verse 22. This is super, uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to read the whole letter. So Revelations, um, chapter two, verses eight, 18, uh, through 23. And it says this, and to the angel of the church and I, Thyatia, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, right? These things says the son of God, he who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. So this is Jesus himself speaking. says this, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. As for your works, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Check, check verse 22 now. Indeed, I gave her time. Sorry, I'm going to read 21 again. I gave her time to repent, but she didn't listen. So t- verse 22, indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will, this is Jesus speaking, I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. So again, in the context of false prophets, they they lead others uh, into sexual morality. And again, that goes back to Matthew 7 when he says the tree that produces bad fruit you'll know it by their fruit. It produces bad fruit and it produces bad fruit in others. So they will be committing sexual immorality and they will lead others into sex- sexual immorality. Again, not always. It doesn't mean like they don't have to meet all these criteria. Like it could be the pride. It, sexual immorality could be another way um, to identify on. These are just some things that I'm giving you from scripture to identify false prophets. What Jesus himself has said and the Holy spirit, pinned through the prophets and the apostles. Uh, number the next one i'm going to identify is they give they give grace as a permission to sin they give grace as a permission to sin jude highlights them and i believe it starts in verse in, in verse 4 jude verse 4 so, and i i encourage you to read the book of jude especially now um in in this time and era we're in it's a quick read read john 3 read jude um they're just they're right there together so anyway um, certain individuals have slipped in amongst you. So again, he's not talking about people outside of the church. This is in the context of, of inside the church. Certain individuals have slipped in among you, amongst you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality. Immorality is, is like sin. It's anything Christ wouldn't do. And deny Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So it does not say they deny Christ as their savior. It says they deny Christ as their Lord. So another um way to identify as a false prophet is they will use grace as a license to sin and 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 lead you into sin in general. They will um give you a license to um, steal to lie. They'll they'll try to say there's a difference between white lies and uh, and lies themselves of there's a difference between deception and, um, and bearing false witness like they literally try to twist scripture any way they can to give you permission to sin and say, well, the grace covers it, brother, you're, you're covered in the blood and you're okay. You can just live however you want to like, you you know, um, sin, you, you know, sin has been removed from you. So even when you sin, you know, it's not your respons- responsibility. That's crazy. When John says, even if we sin, we have, an advocate in the father who uh can forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness which means when i sin i invite unrighteousness in my life but thanks be to jesus christ that i can go to him i can approach that throne of grace receive mercy uh, my sins pardon and grace empowerment to sin no more so um yeah they'll they'll twist and use grace as permission to sin the next one um, i'm gonna list is and i'll be wrapping up here shortly the next one I'm going to list is they create divisiveness within the body of Christ. False prophets create divisiveness within the body of Christ. Um, again, they speak poorly of leadership. I'll take you back to John three. Uh, they boil up, casting they boil over and cast malicious reflections upon us with insulting language insulting language so what they'll do again is they're very sly and cunning with this they'll come in under the guise of honoring your leader they'll come in under the guise of um of again speaking the words of god and saying the right things they know what to say they say they're actually most often not error in what comes out of their mouth they're in error by their actions so they'll say the right things but they'll do the complete opposite And so what they'll do is they'll speak poorly about leadership. They'll, they'll honor the leader to their face, but then they'll go and they'll speak to, um, and often it comes in inquisitive form. So they'll be like, well, Hey, do you think that, you know, uh, the, the pastor made the right decision there? Do you think, you know, do you think that's the right choice? And and they're real sly and cunning with it. And what they're doing is they're trying to divide and and they're really will then try to exert them. Eventually, they're looking to exert themselves in a place of authority over your life and become like a mentor, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother or whatever. And they'll really try to come through the lane of relationship. Um, but they cause divisiveness in the body of Christ. They will cause um, sides. They create sides in the body of Christ. So um, they'll try to pit each other, other leaders. So they, they, they often will start with leadership, but then they will go to um, other leaders or other people and members in the community and try to basically bring accusation and not, again, not adhere to Matthew 18. The Bible is very clear. If you have odd against your brother, you go to your brother. You don't go to other people. That's gossip. That's gossip. When you have, when somebody does something that hurts you and bother, like, and we've masqueraded it as like, well, I was just seeking counsel on how to handle this situation. Yeah. But you sought counsel from 20 different people. And now all of a sudden you've spread this gossip and caused dissension. And so, um, what they do is they'll, again, and often call people they had no business talking to or, or speak to people about what's going on and really cause a wedge in the body of Christ. And it'll be manifested because, Uh, and again, it'll be manifest. It'll be true, found true because it'll manifest in, in nature and fruit that is not of the spirit. And so people will become anxious and begin to doubt their leaders. People will have anxiety, worry, confusion will be, um, birthed. God is not the author of confusion and it'll actually bring confusion within the body of Christ and anxiety and the peace will leave. Joy will leave, um, they'll, they'll come under the fruits of the enemy. And again, that's how you, you'll know them by their fruit and what the, the fruit of their actions. So what is their actions producing in other people? Um, that's how you, you know, it, um, there's a thing too. I'll, you know, I'm not going to go there. Uh, so anyway, they create divisiveness within the body of Christ and they speak poorly of liter- leadership, tre- trying to create sides and they, they gossip. They gossip. They will speak poorly. Um, let me tell you: if, if a leader, someone who claims a, an authority, um, an authority, a <clears throat> place of authority, in the body of Christ, they they claim a title, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, teacher, in the body of Christ, and and you see often that they speak poorly of other leaders. They, they criticize other leaders constantly. That is a major red flag, major red flag. Um, you, you know, that doesn't mean that if you come to them and ask a leader about uh, about somebody or some, somebody's ministry, if you're safe there. If they're okay, like, what about, what do you think about this one? They may say, yeah, I don't know. Or, you know, at least for me, I don't go there. This is kind of where I go. Like that's done with honor intact, but not so with the false prophets, the false in Matthew 24, many false prophets will appear and deceive many. We need to be able to identify them um, when so many people are speaking. Uh, and again, first John four says, do not believe everyone who claims to speak as the spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. Me personally, um, I, I, I like to have relationship with someone or, or know someone that has relationship with them uh, before I start banking my life on what they're saying. That's just, that's just me personally. Again, there's exceptions to that rule and people that have a good reputation in the body of Christ and things like that. But that's just me personally. Um, anyway, um, I'm definitely not making any major decisions in my life if, based off of counsel given to me by somebody that I don't have a relationship with. That's just, that's just me. Cause you don't know, you don't know. Only God knows. Um, so I'm going to go through again, um, how to identify a false prophet real quick and then you can go back and catch the replay if you missed it. The fruits of pride, the six fruits of pride, where speaks about oneself constantly, loves, demands a place of honor to be first, only believes the word when convenient, refuses to listen with an understanding heart, has an air of I have already arrived, constantly is critical of others, lacks self-control or any of the fruit of the spirit, really, uh, gentleness, kindness, goodness, sexual immorality and leads others into sexual morality. And again, they don't have to meet every criteria. Some will manifest more than others, but anyway, um, they use grace as permission to sin. They will, and they will create divisiveness within the body and speak poorly of leadership, trying to create sides and constantly gossiping. So again, I hope that blesses you. Um, again, it's probably not a full, there's probably some other things in scripture to help identify them I just want to bring a balance that uh, the, the Bible and Jesus specifically never um, does he say false prophets um, or classify false prophets or say you'll be able to identify them by whether or not they perform signs and wonders or not. Um, he, he identifies them by their fruit and their character. Um, and I, I mean, for me like I want to see in true prophets and true men and women of God, I want to see the manifestation of God's power because we do know scripture says that, um, God affirmed Jesus Christ through signs and wonders. And so signs and wonders and power is an affirmation of God. However, it is not how we identify whether somebody is a false prophet or not that you identify them by their actions, their fruit, whether or not they are manifesting the person of Christ, meekness, humility, preferring others um, that's another one false prophets will literally disregard other people they don't care like they just don't care how other people are affect affected they are very self-centered uh, very self-centered and they are easily identified they they are very self-centered so anyway love you guys hope this bless you i saw a ton of comments i'm going to go back and do my best to respond to them um, but hope this helps hope this blesses you let's pray Father, we thank you that you gave us your word, and you gave us wisdom, and you gave us guidelines on how to identify false prophets. Lord, you would not have us listen to just any voice and take it as from your spirit. You gave us clear instructions on how to identify prophets. Um, whether someone is a false prophet or not, God, and I pray for the spirit of discernment, the gift of discernment to come into your body right now, God, as you're revealing hearts and removing lampstands in this hour, God, I pray we would have a heightened discernment Lord, in that we would align ourselves with those who are not only manifesting your power and your grace and your glory in the earth but in character and integrity and in honor and in preferring others and humility, God. Oh, Jesus, your ways are meek and lowly of heart. Humility is such a a part of your person, Jesus. It's such a part of your person, God. So God, I pray right now uh, discernment on those walking in the fear of the Lord and living in humility. In Jesus' name, I pray. Bless you guys. I love you. God bless you. I pray that you are strengthened in your faith. I pray that you're well in this time. Keep the faith. Now is the time to arise and shine and share Jesus. You have, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't need another person to lay hands on you. I believe in impartation, but I'm saying in the context of being a witness, like go for it. Just preach Jesus. Now is the hour. Love you guys. Bless you. Um, Have a great day.